My name's Stephanie. I'm part of the leadership team here at Redeemer. I, um, I count it an absolute privilege and a joy this morning to be talking to you about the gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, yeah. So I wanted to, I'll come back to this beautiful painting. It's from the 14th century. It's by a Russian Orthodox painter called Andrei Rublev. And it was him representing Abraham and the visitations of the three angels. And it speaks to the Trinity. And I want to come back to it at the end because I think it's very beautiful when we think about the invitation that we have. There's a space at the table and that table is yours. That space is yours. So I am so excited and expectant today because this is Pentecost Sunday. This is the birthday party of the church. (laughs) The church started today. We should have had cakes, but we have the candles, so we're kind of good. Um, And I want to start and I want today to celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit to the disciples and the followers of Jesus as they sat in that upper room. And they sat, and it was 50 days from Pentecost, and suddenly the Holy Spirit came. And here we are today in our upper room, and I hope that you are as expectant and excited for what um, the Holy Spirit can do in you and through you this morning. I am excited, and I love speaking about the Holy Spirit. I love thinking about the Holy Spirit, because I am inviting you into the most transformative relationship of your life. The healer, the restorer, the giver of life, the one who will make sure you are never, ever alone. And this relationship, this friendship of the Holy Spirit is life-changing. And it doesn't just happen on one day that you pray the Holy Spirit comes and then it's done. This is a constant indwelling and infilling. And I want to move into that in a a little bit of time. But what I want to say is that the relationship that I'm inviting you to go deeper into today is truly life-changing is truly life-changing and will be healing, restorative, and it will bridge the gap between the person that you are today and the person that you were designed to be. It is the Holy Spirit who does that work. Nothing else. You can do all the self-help you want. I'm a therapist, I can say that. You can do all the therapy you want. You can do all the self-help. You can read all the books that you want, but without the transformative work of the Holy Spirit in your life, you will remain who you are now. And that is not who you were designed to be. You were designed to be a creature and a beloved child of the King. You were designed to live free. You were designed to live free and bring freedom to this city, this street, and the nations. And that is who you are designed to be. And you will only do that with the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. One of the metaphors I use when I'm working with people individually and with family is to explain how your mind works. And I want to start with that this morning. So people come and sit in a therapy room with me because things aren't going well. That's pretty much a no-brainer. They get into patterns of behaviour, of thinking, of relationships that can't get out of and they're getting them in trouble. And I use this metaphor and I find it really helpful that your mind is like a mountain of fresh snow has fallen. And you get to the top of your mountain and you want to go sledding. You take your sled up and you go down the mountain. 
And then the next person walks up and they go out down the mountain. And they go down. And they go down. And eventually in time, the path that you go down the mountain is so deep and so unchanged, there's, there's no other option to sled any other way. And that's what happens with us when we get into patterns of thinking and feelings and behaviours and relationships that are dysfunctional and unhealthy. You hear the trigger word, you have a feeling, whatever happens, and you just sled down that mountain the way you've always sled down that mountain. And as I prepared for this this morning, this came back to me. Maybe I wouldn't... Am I walking too much? Seems to be flicking, no? Okay. Um... As I prepared this morning, I thought that for some of us in this room, the word Holy Spirit or the idea of the Holy Spirit might be one of those words and you just sled down a particular path. And I want to be sensitive to that. I want to be sensitive to the fact that some of you in the room might have never experienced the Holy Spirit, so you're at the top of the mountain and you're about to sled for the first time. (laughs) But there might be others of you in this room, maybe you've been on a journey of deconstructing and you've been to everything, and you've questioned everything, and you've wondered everything. And I want to say to you this morning that if you've been on that journey, it's time to reconstruct. It's time to reconstruct, and to find new ways of living, and new ways of being, and new ways of trusting the beautiful one. And there are others of you in the room, and maybe poor teaching, poor theology, damaging experiences under the guise of the Holy Spirit have harmed you. I meet those sorts of people every day. And I want this morning to invite you to look for a fall, a fresh fall of snow on your mind so that the Holy Spirit can come and and can reinvigorate you and invite you into something beautiful that is for today and for this city. And so before we go any further, I want to invite you all to stand. And I want us to really engage with this this morning. I want you to take a moment to pause and think, how do I respond when I hear the Holy Spirit? Some of us who like to live in control of life, probably we find it pretty frightening. Probably we've had some issues in the past, or maybe we like to control the world, and therefore the thought of letting go and letting the Spirit do whatever he wants to do might be actually very scary. And so I just want now to pray with us. So if you... If you would like to engage with this, put out your hands, change your posture, and let's invite the Holy Spirit to come. Father God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. We invite you to come in your gentleness and in your power. We think of that idea of the mind and we ask for fresh no. We ask to clear away the thoughts, the feelings, the behaviours that perhaps have harmed us. For those of us in this room, Lord, that carry wounds, we ask for the healing balm of the Spirit in these very moments. For those of us who carry fear, who carry anxiety, who want to control the world, we ask for your peace to come. Your peace that passes all understanding that would allow the Spirit to work. For those of us who have grieved you, for those of us who have grieved you, we say sorry. For those of us who have tried to quench your work in our lives and in the lives of those around us, we repent 
We repent. For those of us who have spoken ill of you and in a way blasphemed you, we say sorry. We say sorry and we come and say, come by your power, come by your beauty, come by your grace, come by your mercy and fall afresh on us. That this day we will mark in the calendar as a start of a new phase in our relationship with you and our journey with you. And Father, we don't ask that you come just to make us feel good or to make us feel whole, but we come that we change this city and we change this nation with your power and your spirit and your love. Because where your spirit is, there is freedom. And so this morning I speak freedom over this community. I speak freedom over every heart and every mind. And I say, come and have your way. We give you our yes. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Have your seats. So this is Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost means 50th. I'm going to just hold my notes. The word Pentecost actually means 50. It was 50 days since um, the celebration, the Passover, and then the Jews had a celebration. For us as the followers of Jesus, it was 50 days after Easter. And throughout the story of God, God moves in the world through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It is spoken about in Zechariah 4, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And in Matthew 28, Jesus promised his disciples, I will be with you always, even until the end of the age. He says in John, I will send an advocate, the spirit of truth, the spirit of truth, and he will come to you and will testify all about me. And so I want to read to you the passage in Acts that is talking about the Jesus followers and his disciples who are gathered. So it says in Acts 1 verse 4, While he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which you have heard me speak about. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. Further on down, verse 9. After he had said this, he was taken up as they were watching, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, they were gazing into heaven, and two men in white clothes stood by them. Why are you looking up into heaven? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come in the same way that you have seen him going into heaven. Then going into chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, we're celebrating that today, they were all together in one room. Suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit had enabled them. Further on down, people came to see them. They were all astounded and perplexed, saying to each other, what does this mean? Some sneered and said, they're drunk on new wine. They're drunk on new wine. Jesus had said, do not be drunk on wine, but be drunk on my spirit. Peter then stood up. He raised his voice and he proclaimed to them, fellow Jews and all you residents of Jerusalem, let me explain this to you and pay attention to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only nine in the morning. <laughs> on the contrary, this was spoken through the prophet Joel. And this directly quotes Joel. 
from Joel. Haven't got the chapter. And it will be in the last days, said God, that I will pour out my spirit on all people, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. I will even pour out my spirit on my servants in those days, both men and women, and they will prophesy. I will display wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below blood and fire and a cloud of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord comes. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So 50 days after Easter, can you imagine what it might have been like for his apostles sitting in that room? He had said he was going to die and rise again and that happened and then suddenly he was gone and they were waiting they were a bit of a bunch of, a bit of a motley crew of fishermen and carpenters and women, slaves and free. Then the Holy Spirit came on them and transformed them, utterly transformed them. And the gift of the Spirit connected them to the ongoing life of Jesus and they were no longer inward looking. They were out preaching and teaching. They were seeing signs and wonders. They were healing. They were prophesying. They were restoring people. They went from being Jesus followers in their heads and perhaps in their hearts to powerful world changers powerful world changers. Pentecost celebrates the gift of the Spirit and the ecumenical work of the Trinity. And this gift remains available to us. It's not like it just happened then. This is an ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in the world. It is available to transform us, to heal us, and to allow us freedom from the self. And we need I need, you need the ongoing filling of the Spirit to truly work in the power and in the fullness of all that God has called us to be and all that we were designed to be. I want to now just look at, if we are the Jesus followers, let's consider the work of the Spirit in the life of Jesus because he is our prototype. So from the beginning of the story of God, from the very beginning in Genesis, the work of the Spirit was evident. The triune God was there and it was referenced. Creation came into being because the Spirit hovered over the face of the waters. He was there at every stage of Jesus' life. In Luke one thirty-five, it talks about Jesus' conception following the involvement of the Holy Spirit. In Luke 3, you are my beloved child with whom I am well pleased. The dove descended from heaven. The Holy Spirit arrived on Jesus and suddenly his ministry began. In Hebrews 9.14, it talks about Jesus on the cross, his sacrifice and his blood and the power of the Spirit. In Romans 1 verse 4, Jesus was resurrected by the power of the Spirit. In Acts 2.33, Pentecost, as we've just talked about, Jesus, through the power of the Spirit, was exalted to the Father. Throughout the story of God, there's the overriding theme of the Spirit of grace that leads to glory. The Spirit was with Jesus from conception to life to death to resurrection and ascension. And this invitation is for us too. So I want you just to take a second and think, where can I see the points in my life where the Holy Spirit has visited me? Where have I seen the change in my life, the power in my life grow, and, and am I longing for more? And so if Jesus 
as the Son of God, as one of the Trinity, could evidence the work of the Spirit in his life, then that's our mantra. That is our mandate, and that is the call that is on our lives. And so, Redeemer, for every one of you who consider yourselves and call yourselves a follower of Jesus this morning, I'm inviting you to reflect on the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And I know that I personally am not content content to stay as who I am. I don't want to stay as me. I want to continue the purifying work of the Holy Spirit and continue to contend for more. And I want to invite us into that. In his book, The Divine Dance, Richard Rohr describes the Holy Spirit sustains and heals all things into love by slowly unveiling the inherent goodness, truth, and beauty in everything. When we think of the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the Jesus follower, let's reflect on the images and the story of God and how we can see the evidence of the Spirit at work. He's talked about as a fire. A fire burns, consumes, destroys what is not of God in our lives. It destroys what divides us and the labels that we hide behind. He's described as a wind. And he cannot be controlled and he cannot be contained. He is described as a seal. He is a seal that is on your life. That is a guarantee of your identity as the beloved of the king. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. He is described as a dove and also as a bird. I love it in the Psalms when it says, Hide me in the shadow of your wings. That is hiding in the Holy Spirit. I can mark out periods in my life when I literally hid in the shadow of his wings because that's all I felt I was able to do. And I was never, ever alone. Never, ever alone. I love the idea of a womb. The Holy Spirit is a womb because in, when we get baptized in the Holy Spirit, when we work in the Holy Spirit in our lives, we, adopt, we move into our spirit of adoption and our new identity. And so the Holy Spirit is like a womb that you come out of and you are new. You will never, ever be the same. We were talking earlier about the work of the Holy Spirit and I was thinking about this street. And um, on Thursday night, we had a, a really lovely night here with these, these photographs and, and Steve's work. And Steve's work and the photographs are not the thing. They're not what we should be celebrating. That's not what he wants celebrated. What we should be celebrating is the opportunity to build relationship with our fellow Jesus followers on down this street. That is the point of this whole event. And on Thursday night, Lorraine and I were kind of here as, we, as everyone had moved down to St. Patrick's. And a little old lady came tottering in the door and she was kind of hassled. And she said, I got it all wrong. I went to my church first and now I want to come here. And so Lorraine said, well, come on in. And so she was 84 and she was about this height. And she moved a lot faster than Lorraine and I could ever move, to be fair. And she zipped her way around the photographs and she said, do you know what, I'll just have a quick look and then we'll all go down to St. Patrick's. And I, I walked slightly behind them. And I watched Lorraine and this little lady four-year-old treasure walk hand in hand, arms linked, giggling and chatting and heading down to St. Patrick's. And I thought to myself, that is the work of the Spirit. 
That is the work of the Spirit. Uniting, bringing us together, getting rid of the labels, getting rid of the other, getting rid of who you are and who I am and what we believe and all of that. The Spirit unites us and brings us together. Lorraine and that 84-year-old darling would have very few cross points in their lives. Very few cross points in their lives, in their natural lives. But in the life of the Spirit, they walked hand in hand, linked together. And it was the most beautiful image that will stay with me for a very long time. And my heart longs for more. My heart longs for more that we change the narrative of this street. If you look back over the photographs of this street of the last 30 years, they're not a little old Catholic lady and a not so little in height Protestant woman walking down this street arm in arm. That is not the story of this street. But we, through the work of the Spirit and through the transforming of the Spirit, can make that the story of this street. And I want more. As a Jesus follower, I have a call to make daily godly decisions. John Wimber talked about the constant conversation between the Jesus follower and the Spirit of God. I ask him in the morning to bless me, to be with me, to guide every conversation. And it is disciplined work. And we allow ourselves to be honed by the Spirit when we give our day to him. We say, good morning, Holy Spirit, to quote Benny Hinn from way back in the day and we say guide our day today be in every conversation be in the middle of everything that I do the book of Acts reminds us that the spirit fills us after baptism and it is an ongoing journey Charles Spurgeon so long ago put it so well I'm filled with the Holy Spirit but I leak Sometimes we leak for good reasons and sometimes we leak for poor reasons because we've grieved the Spirit, but we leak and so we constantly need more. Those who filled with the Spirit are radiant and unselfconscious. The fire of the Spirit has burned away all of your ego and nothing's left. You are at ease with who you are. You're at ease in your identity as the beloved child of the King and you have nothing to prove, you've nothing to say to the world outside of I am the beloved child of the most high God if we think about the fruit of the of the Holy Spirit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness goodness and self-control the mystery that is called love is God it is embodied in Jesus made real to us by the Holy Spirit and we should and will never contain it or control it we are simply called to surrender our all to the work. The blood does the work of salvation, but the Spirit does the work of holiness, Christ likeness, and it is through the Spirit that the chains that you are bound in will be burned away. I want to go back to this painting as we as we start to land because I want us to invite the Holy Spirit to come. This painting, as I said, was by a guy called Rublev. He was a Russian Orthodox painter. And he's t- there's three angels that visited the God, the Father, and the Son. If we could see it clearer, we'd see that the Father and the Son are gazing at one another, and the Son, whilst gazing back at the Father, is pointing to the Spirit. The triune always are together. And the beautiful thing about this table is there's a gap. 
there's a gap because we are invited in to join this beautiful dance and to work together with the Spirit to bring all creation into line, to bring the heaven to earth. The Son is gazing at the Father and we're invited to dance on the stage of life and reflect the glory of God. That's the invitation from the table today to each one of us. I want to invite the band to come and I want to move into a time where we can, we can think together and pray for the Spirit to come. I, um, I was away last weekend at a book festival in Hay. Anyone who likes to read, it's like, oh, it's amazing. Um, and I, uh, just as the band began to play, I want to finish with this story. I was listening to an author, a woman called Elif Shavak, and she's a Turkish woman, and uh, she was talking about her... St- she tends to write beautiful novels about quite difficult subjects. Her latest book is about the murder of a sex worker, so it's not an easy subject, but she writes so beautifully. And what she was talking about when she talked about her work... Now, bear in mind, we're in a tent in hay, and I'm sitting at the back with my glass of water. And what she talked about was that for those of us who... Um, who have been born into a a blood family, a a biological family that give us love and compassion and acceptance and support. She said that's a gift and that is something that you should be thankful for every day of your life. But for many of us around the world, our, our birth families, our blood families do not do that for us. And so she said, what, what actually I've come to realize in the course of my life is that we, if, we, if our blood family does not do that for us, we create what I call a water family. And a water family are our friends who become our family and they invite us into love and compassion and acceptance and they call us to be the best that we can be. And so she's talking at the front of hay and all that is within me is wanting to shout out, you're describing faith. You're describing baptism by water. You're describing becoming a child of God. And so for those of us this morning, and I can't imagine any of us came from a perfect blood family. I don't have a perfect blood family. And I'm not the parent of a perfect blood family either. (laughs) But what I'm saying to you this morning is that the invitation to come and be baptized by water and by the Spirit is to absolutely clear up for once and for all your identity as a beloved child of God. And so as she spoke about this water family that you were that or that we create, I was sitting going, Yes, there's my preach right there. <laughs> You've done it for me, Ella, thank you. Because we are invited by water and by the Spirit to come and to be born again. And it's not a one off. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not a one off. So I would like to invite us to stand. I would like to invite us to stand and I would like us to not rush away and I would like us to come to the table. We are invited. You did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. You have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, Dad.
Abba, Father, Dad. And so this morning, what I want is for the ministry team to come up and be available now at the front. And I want us to not rush away from this opportunity. And I would suggest and invite you all that there is not one of us who does not require the ongoing filling of the Holy Spirit. There is not one of us. We're hungry, we're desperate, we're thirsty. And we would love to pray with you. And so we're going to take a longer period of worship. We would like to invite you to come and to take the bread and the wine and allow one of us to pray a blessing on you for the work of the Holy Spirit. If this is the first time you would have received the Holy Spirit, then come. Don't leave. Don't leave. Come and be baptized and pray for more. And for those of us who are in relationship with Jesus, let's ask for more. Let's not settle with where we are. Because the Spirit is brooding and he is here and he longs to be released in your life to transform you, to heal you, restore you and to bring you into all that you were created to be. So I'm going to stop talking because we don't need any more words. I'm going to allow us to worship and pray, come to the table and allow us to pray for you and bless you. Thank you.